Hello and welcome to How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I'm your host, Rebecca Lee, and pardon my voice, I have what we call a little bit of a cold. In this week's episode, I have a fabulous, wonderful, multi-hyphenate Carly Tamarin. Now, Carly is a director, she's a writer, she's an actor, she's a dancer. I took, she did a Barbie dance class that I took uh, last week and it was so much fun. She's a martial artist. She just does so many fucking rad things. She started a company called Not Your Daddy's Films. It originally started as a uh, screening company where they would screen women and non-binary folks' short films. Um, it has since expanded into a production company. And if you want to go to their next screening series and you're in Los Angeles, um, that's going to be August 26th. And you can go to at NYD Films on Instagram and get all the information there. I do want to put a trigger warning um, in this episode because we do talk about violence and assault, so just be aware of that. Um, we chat about how she had a violent encounter one night. Um, she was assaulted. She It was attempted kidnapping. It, it's, it's pretty intense, so just be aware. We talk about that and how that changed her as a person. We talk about how her personality was before that event versus after. We talk about her relationship to men before and after that incident. We talked about being a multi-hyphenate um, and how it can be challenging in this industry. We talk about softening and tenderness. So many things. So stay tuned. Let's just go right into it. Uh, this is How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Carly Tamron. Hey, Carly. Hi. Um, it's so good to talk to you on this show because obviously I know you for being a funny, hardworking, creative, wonderful human, but I don't know like the ins and outs of you and how you got to be this incredible human being. So I'm excited to learn about you. I know. This will be really fun. We needed to do this anyways. Um, we really did. Just for general friendship. Um, so. I might take notes. I know that's probably not what we would normally do at a coffee date, but um, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> can you imagine? But I don't want to interrupt you. So that's this is my ADHD, the way that I uh, I can operate. Um, yeah. So the first question that I usually start off with is, is there a low point, a challenge um, in your life, whether it's childhood, adolescence, yesterday, whatever, that you're very proud of overcoming and can you tell us about it yes i have a um a kind of jarring one which i assume I, honestly most people probably do um oh yeah so i the first thing that comes to mind is in 2014 i had just moved to la um i got really really like brutally mugged um and almost kidnapped which i yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really so fucking crazy. Um, it was like in West Hollywood, uh, not far from the restaurant that actually Kayla and I were both working at at the time. Okay. Um, super nice neighborhood. I was in an Uber going to my friend's place. I'll never forget it. It was Black Friday. Um, I had stayed, stayed in LA for Thanksgiving. And I was just in an Uber by myself going to my friend's place. I get dropped off and I literally walked into a trap, which, you know, now we're like, maybe the Uber was in on it, you know, yada, yada. Um, but essentially what happened was I walked up 
this, it's kind of like a double flight of concrete stairs. Um, and I'm wearing like giant ass heels, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so this guy just like kind of rushes up the stairs behind me and it, it like threw me and he was acting fucking weird. And I just, I will never forget like just how clear all of this was in my head. Immediately I was like, something is wrong. Like this energy is wrong. Like something is wrong. Um, and I'm 2014, I was 24, like pretty new to the city, you know, whatever. But anyways, so I didn't want to buzz in because I just felt off about it. Like, I didn't think it was for me. I was just like, I don't want to buzz this person into this building. Like, I'm not trying to be rude. It's just something is wrong. So I was like, is your friend coming? Like, do you know the code? Like, is your friend coming to get you? And, or whatever. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Uh, it was super weird. So I was just like stalling, getting in. And finally he made what I know is a fake phone call because I understand Spanish. But he said like, I love you mom in Spanish. He like picked up the phone and said that. And then and immediately I was like, wrong, something is wrong. Another guy comes running up the stairs and they corner me and a getaway car pulls up. Um, and immediately I see that, I see them. They didn't say like, give is me this outside? So this is like outside, outside of a building, but like beyond a staircase. Right. Yeah. There okay. was kind of like a double level staircase. So like one, okay. a little flat and then up. Um, and had they said like, give me your purse, I would have just been like, take it. But they didn't say that, which made me think. And I saw the van and I was like, uh, don't get don't get in the van. I was like, whatever I do, I will not be getting in this van. And they go to grab me. And I literally like full out of body experience started. I'm a singer. I screamed so loud. I think it scared them. And they grabbed me. I grabbed the back of them. And I literally just launched myself like down this flight of stairs. Um, I don't, I just knew like, I was like, I can't run. I mean, giant heels, two guys, me, I'm fucking tiny. Um, so essentially like the long and short of it is that like we fought, it was really scary. I'd never obviously like had to fight for my life or anything in my life. Um, and people like, I just was like, can somebody please like start coming outside? Yeah. Um, screaming, screaming, screaming. It's like a dark street. They didn't have any like street lights on the street for some reason. Um, so like we're fighting, like I'm hitting, they're hitting back. He like ripped my shirt. Like, oh, it was just like really obviously traumatic. Um, they finally people start coming out. I'm like at the base of the entrance to the car and just like trying so close to, to the car at this point. Okay. Close to the car. They're trying to like drag me in there. We're like fighting. I think I scared them too by like just being a full like feral animal. Um, which thank God I did that. I didn't even think, you know? Um, and people finally started coming out they grabbed my purse and got in the car and left and I was like severely injured for a long time it like really fucked up my hip I was like you know obviously bruised badly bleeding like 
it was, you know, I got beat up by like two guys. So, but I did get them too. Yeah. I didn't have these nails. I wish I did. Yeah. Um, but, ooh, I like haven't talked about this in a long time. It's like making me hot. Yeah. Um, I mean, also we can stop at any time. We don't, no, I don't no. want to re-traumatize you in any way. No, it, I think it's really good because I think for a lot of years I didn't talk about it. Um, and in a way it really, it changed my life for the better because after that is how I found martial arts because I was afraid of going outside. I was afraid of men. I, you know, didn't feel strong. I, I was just like the lowest of lows. And eventually once my body healed, then I found martial arts, which absolutely changed my life. I think it gave me the grit that I have now that helps me get anything done um Kayla got into martial arts with me which was so fun and just so like empowering to have your close people there with you Mm -hmm. um and now I like it's my goal in life to make action movies you know like I never would have found that martial arts love um had I had that not happened so in a weird way very thankful I had no (laughs) I had no idea. I think I don't think I was in L.A. yet. Um, or if I was, it was like very, very, very early on. Like I had I would have just moved there, but I don't think I was there yet. Um, I I'm so one. I'm so unbelievably sorry that you experienced that. Um, I can't imagine. And I guess I'm curious, like when people started coming out, like so they leave, people start coming out. Like, then what happens? Like, do they call an ambulance or like what? Yes. What so happens? First, uh, police came okay. um, and my friend came out like at the end of all of this happening, like when everyone in the neighborhood was like around me and she obviously like fucking freaked out because she was like, you had texted me you were here, but you never came up. So she's like, eventually I just came down. Right. And- she like finds me like half naked on the street like traumatized with like a bunch of people so that was like for all of us I think really traumatic um but then there is uh, I'll actually never forget this too so there were two cops that ended up like staying with us for a while and asking questions and yada yada they tracked my phone to somewhere that was out of their jurisdiction um but then the female cop ended up coming back by herself after the other one left and she was like hey I know that this is out of our jurisdiction but she's like but if you want to I will go with you and find it I will I will stake it out not to find the phone but to find who did this she's like it's not my job but like woman to woman I will do that with you if that's gonna help you and I was like like that I thought that was really special and I was like look I don't part of me did you know but like I was like I'll let you know but I just never forgot that also like at that moment I'm sure you were so traumatized that you're like I don't want to go anywhere fucking near that like at least like that's how I would feel maybe now you're like yeah I would love to do that now but like then like you didn't have the tools yet shaking puppy yeah yeah but eventually as I healed and I got I went from scared to angry then I was like I have her number. <laughs> yeah. Did they ever, so they were like, we can't do anything essentially. Yeah. I mean, like in that case, it's just a phone, you know, like the only crime. I mean, the crime obviously is like a, attempted kidnapping and like assault. But, assault and battery. Yeah. Um, 
but they couldn't find anything on there were like no working cameras around like they just couldn't find anything the only information that they ended up having to go off of was where like the location of the cell phone which was out of their jurisdiction so for them they're like if it's gang related if it's whatever like it's not worth it for us to go looking like for a phone okay i have so many i have so many I'm already, like, not a cop person to begin with, but, like, this makes me be, like, oh, it is important for you to give somebody a ticket for going 50 into 45, but it's not important for you to, like, go follow up on a potential human trafficking situation and, like, call the other jurisdiction. You can't just be, like, sorry, they're just going to do this to another person, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's crazy, and I think also it took me a few years to, like, understand the human trafficking of it all. I think at that time we were like, oh, um, it was probably just like a, a mugging for like a gang initiation or something, you know? And I was like, just so like shook that I was just like, yeah. But the reality was they were trying to take me into the car. Right. That's, that's what that was, but that was not talked about. And really only years later when I actually really started processing all of it is I was like, oh my God. They weren't trying to mug me for my purse. They never asked for it. They never whatever. Everything they would have taken it and gone. You don't, also, you don't need two people to take a purse, first of no. all. Second yeah. of all, they would have taken it and gone. Third, yeah. you don't need a fucking van. Like, there's just no. so many things that, like, the authority figures in this scenario should have told you, right. you know? It's like, why, why, why are you going to be privy to it? You're a civilian. These are right. the people who, like... They I'm should getting, like the I'm getting so angry. I mean, I'm angry, obviously, at the people who fucking did this, but I'm also angry at the experts. A hundred percent. And I think it literally, it lit like such a big fire in me just as a person. Whereas I think before this incident, before I healed from it, I was like so much more like good. You know what I mean? In, in the sense, like I wasn't didn't want I was not a person that wanted to make waves or really stand up for myself like I wanted easy blend in you know like whatever and after I healed from that is like I was angry and I'm I think I'm still angry I think there's a lot to be angry about but like I feel you because yeah yeah how did the healing process look for you um it took a long time and many phases first I had to heal my body. Right. You know, that was like kind of first on the docket, um, which took a long time. Cause like, I'm also, I'm a dancer, you know, like I'm a very active person. So like not being able to use my body was another layer of fucked upness. You know what I mean? Um, so can I say that on here? Fuck. Oh God. Yeah. There's <laughs> fucking the title. You're good. Fucked upness. Uh, <laughs> And, but once I did, um, I started to work movement back in and I started to heal through taking these capoeira classes. Cause a lot of, um, this capoeira teacher that I found, he uses it a lot for rehab. So I was able to start working on like very specific parts of my body while also learning about, uh, defending myself. Can you explain um, what that particular type of martial arts is for people who yeah. don't know? So capoeira is like most people kind of see it as like dance fighting, but it's a Brazilian martial art um, that incorporates dance movement with actual combat. Um, and it's really beautiful. Eventually I, I moved to Krav Maga because it's more like practical 
you know, I was like, I can dance fight all I want, but like practically, and that was like another phase of my healing. Like, right. okay, done this foundation. I love like talking about it and talking to women, especially about it and getting women to like feel strong and not afraid. Cause like such a big thing for me was like the fight or flight thing. Like I want, it's so easy. I think for women to just black out if something were to happen. And like, so I just started being like, I want to teach everyone I know how to like, if something happens, just not blackout, be able to like assess the situation and go from there. Um, so that's sort of taken me on this like big, I think overall female empowerment journey that like my art is about and my company is about and all this stuff. But, um, but yeah, so that was like the physical aspect. And then eventually mentally, I started getting less afraid of being in the dark, you know, like being near men, like, you know, it's just like those things, these weird, weird things. And it was just like, it was just a dark period for me. It was like six months there where I was just like, I don't want to like live, which is so crazy. Cause that's like really not me. But it was just that intense. I just, I didn't know, I didn't have the tools to handle it at the time. Yeah. Did you also feel like low because obviously the situation, but also like sadness that this is what the world can be? Because sometimes I, I feel that where it's like, where you have like less hope because you see people taking advantage of other people or you know that this type of violence and brutality exists. So now you're like, well, what the fuck is the world then? Like, or was it more like isolated to you specifically? I think it started isolated to me because like when stuff like that happens, it's hard to like see outside of your bubble of hurt. Sure. But as I healed, I started getting really sad, just like, yeah, for the world, for people, for women who deal with this and so much worse you know like I am so lucky that I screamed that I didn't get in the car you know that I took the hits that I went fucking crazy that like you know I somehow managed to escape that but like people most people aren't that lucky and I reacted this way and it's taken it took me years you know like I'm just like I just can't imagine what other people go through and that's I think why it's bled over so much into my art because it's just like I just need to talk about it and I've met so many actually amazing people through like randomly sharing this story of like oh my god this happened to me and then it's like this strange bond of um we've all gone through some weird shit yeah that's the thing about like sharing things that are hard to share obviously you don't have to share anything that you're not comfortable sharing but when you do usually someone's like that happened to me too you know and it makes you feel less alone and less inclined to be like I don't want to exist anymore when you know that like there are other people yeah well and especially because like abuse tends to happen very secretly you know so it's like it's just it's a very isolating thing and mine was just one specific event, luckily. But, you know, it's like sharing it. I have, there are times where I've been like really strong about trying to share it, like on my platforms, on Instagram, whatever. And I haven't done it enough, but whenever I do, I get like flooded with messages of people from my whole life, from people I don't know, being like, thank you for saying that. I never thought about going to martial arts to feel safer. 
you know, like this happened to me. I've never told anyone about it. Like I'm going to go take a, a self-defense class, you know, like, and that is really, um, that's really special. Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot in therapy about like the injustices of the world and like, how do you combat that like mentally knowing that all of this exists and my therapist always comes back to like you have to go out and seek the good people who are doing good things because I know you see the bad things and it's easy to fixate on that but there are people like you who are out there being like hey martial arts man do it this is what helped me let me help you with resources and stuff and like when you can fixate on those people instead it's helpful but that's something that I struggle with is just like dude this world's fucked I know you know, for sure. I'm right there with you. It's tough. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you first healed your body and then almost like, yes, martial arts was for your body, but obviously there's a mental element oh. to it too. Can you like explain oh. how your mindset shifted based on like changing like your body and like learning a new skill for your body? Yeah. I mean, it just made me feel really strong in every way. You know what I mean? Ooh. Excuse love me. it burping on the pod we love um, it. i i think <laughs> sorry i just think that's a very fun title for anything uh podcast related burping on the pod is very great okay sorry <laughs> i <laughs> i interrupted you that's uh, the next podcast yeah um, but i th- yeah there's just something about like feeling your body knowing your own strength and not feeling powerless and i think as women that is something we always struggle with is like just that powerlessness in every way um and hopefully that changes and evolves and it has over time you know whatever but just something about being like i don't have to be so scared of a man like physically like you know, I, I can assess the situation and I can use what I have and I'm super petite, you know, like I'm, I'm five, three, you know, whatever, but, and if something ever happened, I could use my tools to get away. And that's like another cool thing about Krav Maga when I started doing it, it's what they do in the Israeli army, which was special to me because I'm Israeli. So learning that, and it's all about how to use the least effort to create space. So mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, in boxing when you're you're like very forward, like you want that fight. Like this is so much more about how to strike enough so you can just get the fuck away. Like you need mm-hmm. space. Um, and yeah, I think it was just really empowering. I, I felt not only physically could I not be fucked with, but mentally I just got stronger and stronger because it just, it just inevitably led to that. And then I think also helping other women made me feel mentally stronger and stronger too. Cause it felt like, Oh, I've got this like tribe, you know, like I'm not alone here. It's really, it felt really powerful in so many different ways. Yeah. Have you done like any like talk therapy or like any version of talk therapy to deal with this or? 100%. So my parents are both psychologists. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning so much. Other fun fact. Um, they're both psychologists. So they made sure um, I didn't, that I unpacked it all over time. You know, they were there for me. I didn't, 
I didn't go to another therapist, which I mean, I guess is like probably the more ethical route, but I'm so close with my parents. Um, and also my brother lives here. My grandparents live here. I had a ton of family around me and they really just like showed up. Um, and my parents just sat on the phone with me. They came to visit, you know, like I had, I had people and they just, they didn't allow me. They allowed me obviously time, whatever time I needed, but we talked it out. I mean, we talked it to death. Yeah. Which is just how my, my family rolls, you know, there's just nothing. And at first I was resistant at first. I like did not tell them even how bad it was. And I think over time too, it's just like, I felt more and more comfortable, even like reliving the memories, like, or understanding what happened, you know, cause like when traumatic things happen, you like black stuff out. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But a hundred percent talk therapy, most important thing in the whole fucking world, in my opinion, you know, like, yeah, I just believe in it, whether you go through something traumatic or not, just to be able to not hold it in. Like, I think it eats at you physically, you know, with that kind of stuff. Um, I just think it's it's the most important thing. What is your relationship to men now or like what was it before versus after versus now? Now that it's been, I guess, nine years. Yeah. Is that right? Am I doing the math right? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like how has that changed or evolved? Yeah. And I think like it's it's evolved in so many ways and I've evolved in so many ways. And also like that was my earlier 20s to now. Now I'm in my 30s, you know, like. But like in regards to men from that incident and healing, I would say for a while I was afraid and it like didn't even matter who the men were, whatever. Like, it was just like, that happened to me because of men. And so I was like, you're all scary. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That I had to really calm down from that. Cause like, I fucking love men. Like, I really do. I love women more, not sexually, but you know. (laughs) I do Um, on both counts. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but you know, like I have, I have so many amazing male relationships in my life like my dad, my brother, my best friends, my gay best friends, like my fam, you know, just so eventually I like calmed down from being afraid of men. And then I got really angry at them. So I think for a long time, I just fucking hated, like I hated them. And then I was like, oh yeah, they're individual people. (laughs) Like now I don't, now like the the blanket statements don't serve me anymore i'm healed from that you know but i do think it it did make me into like a very um strong person that with dating you know that's like a a certain type of man that i need like i'm extremely independent and um empowered and i try to empower other people and i'm still working on it and i'm still growing but I can't be with a man that like needs to be um, dominating in a relationship, Mm. you know? So like, Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that I I really love that's stayed is it's like, I'm just really uh, passionate about that. And like, I can't, it has to be equal. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask next is like, how has this affected like dating life? Although I know like, 
you know, I know right now you're very focused on like your company and like you as a person, but I think you're dating too, yeah. unless I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I had, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend of six years. Right. It's like, he was such a sweet angel baby. Like, you know, I, I think like intimacy for a little while there was hard for me. Cause I just like, I was like, I didn't want to be touched. Like, yeah. You know, and I think that is a very common thing too. Um, and so of course, like my choice in partners was like off because I was off in, in my own head. Um, eventually I started dating my ex and he is so lovey, touchy, you know, open in that way that I think it really, it really helped me calm down. Like I was finally able to like trust that enough and accept that love. Cause like, I'm a gushy person. Like I love, love. I'm like care bears with my family and my friends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to be like a cold person that doesn't want to be touched. I love, love. Um, and so I think he was very instrumental in just like bringing me back to me. Which is, and then I outgrew that relationship. You know what I mean? But, but that was a, a that was a team effort, and he knew what happened, and you know he was amazing about it. So, it's yeah. it's definitely it changes. I relate to I relate to that so much. I was in a domestically abusive relationship, and I like never, I didn't talk about it either because people don't understand something. People don't understand that like it's you said it, it's very isolating. But also if you're in a relationship like that, they are isolating you on purpose. And so that's like another component to it. So when I came out of that, the first relationship I had was with my now ex-husband who was like exactly what you said, like a gentle, kind, um, understanding, supportive human. And it was great for me then and I outgrew it because like you deal with your traumas and you become the person that you used to need in somebody else. So like I needed that safety in a partner and now I've cultivated it in myself. I no longer need that as much. Do you feel like similarly? Absolutely. Like I know how to give that to myself now. And I'm, and I'm not afraid. I think my armor was so strong and I liked that about myself at the time. And I was like, wait a minute, but that's not really me either, you know? And so like softening was so nice. And I was like, wait, but that's me too. And I can be both those things. And I don't need a man to, you know, help me regulate regulate that anymore and then you know like our relationship lasted six years and things changed and whatever um but I was I'm like I am a different person yep that's exactly how I feel like I'm the same person but I'm like a different person yep totally totally how did you and I ask this because this is something I'm working on how did you soften because I feel like I still have my armor up and like, yes, I can be safe. I'm a safe place for me, but I still feel like I could use some more like tenderness and like softness. Um, But I don't know how to get that. I know it's hard. I mean, like I don't either. Like I think it's, it's something I'm always thinking about and working on. And then I get like hardened again. And then I'm like, no, (laughs) it's hard. I mean, I've found like, just having like really good girlfriends 
that you can be soft with. And then also just loving that part of yourself. You know, I'm like, yeah, I can be like a hard boss bitch, but like, that's not all of me. And I love that I'm a gushy on the inside, you know, like it's funny. Cause I think now with dating, it's like half the people I'm like, I'm independent, you know, like whatever. And like, we have that relationship and we're, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, that's not right for me either anymore. You know, like I actually don't want that version anymore. And this seemed really appealing at one time, but that's not the full me. And I want to partner that reflects all of those pieces. Yeah. If I'm going to have a partner. Right. Right. Yeah, completely. When did your company come about and how did that, because I think it kind of came out of this a little bit. I know you mentioned that with like, um, with martial arts and wanting to make action movies and then your company. So I'm curious about like how your company company came about. Yeah. Um, and what, just tell everybody what your company is and does and all that shit. Um, so it's called Not Your Daddy's Films. It is essentially a production company at this point, but what it started as is, um, a screening series every other month. And it started because I made a short film. Um, I started directing like in 2017 and just using my voice more. And like, it always had action. It always had strong women and like fucking up the men. (laughs) Um, But I think women have a lot to be angry about. I think there's like a lot of that going on. And I've still like, even a few years ago, had so many execs being like, I don't know, like, can't they be like coming for women too? And I was like, no. What? You know, like this is kind of like people are scared. You know, I'm like, fuck up. Shut the fuck I'm up. Scared. Yeah, Don't exactly. I'm like, there's, there's so much for women to be angry about. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're too scared for you to make. Like, can't even mm, handle that. I know. Um, but so I had I made a short film called The Devil's Daughters that co-stars me and our mutual best friend Kayla Compton um and I made that during the pandemic and I wanted post-pandemic to screen it for like my friends and for the crew and uh with film festivals it's like a little tricky how where and how you can show things so my friend owns a bar um and I was there drunk and I was like there's a producer <laughs> like can I just <laughs> like yeah, whatever you want. So I was like, huh, maybe I should get some other girlfriends together that are directors too. And, and make it like, since we have this space, not just about my short, maybe there are like a few other girls that would want to screen their shorts too. Um, Because, you know, another thing is I started directing because we've spent so many years on set and it's just a shitty place to be, you know, like we've seen so much and been treated so specifically that, you know, whatever. So I was like, I, I think that I can direct and I think if I can, I should fucking do it because um, it's what I wish I had coming up as an actor. So um, I've always been into like, how can we get more female directors going on here? Like spreading the wealth. You know, like I don't need to be the only one. Like I need an army. With how many? Me. How many women directors have you worked with, like as an actor before this? Like before you created this? 
Um, Can you like recall? Mine is one. Yeah. I think mine is like two. Yeah. But only the, yeah. Like on substantial, substantial projects. My very first TV show I worked on was a female director, but it was a procedural. So we didn't like really. Sure. You know, it's just like very cut and dry. Yeah. So you're like. Um, and then I, I was on another show recently at the beginning of this year that was a female director and she was so lovely. Like that was really special. Um, yeah, I've only worked with one. And like the difference is to me like vast between a male and a female director. I don't know if you've experienced that too. Oh, yeah. Yes. So that's why I've like, I just think I became obsessed with the idea that I think I can direct. I started doing it. I was like, I think I'm actually really good at this. And I think- this is something I probably was meant to do all along. I used to like, I would choreograph when I was younger. Like I've always been like putting stuff together and obsessed with those pieces and the details and the world building. So this just kind of felt like a really natural step that I just never, it never occurred to me. I could be a director yeah. before that. Um, so anyways, I screened this, my friend Vika, uh, had a short but hers actually ended up not being ready in time so I was like do you want to still co-host it with me and like help me find two other girls um because at the time I didn't really even know what other female directors that were making shorts um so we found some other girls that the event ended up going so well that everyone thought that this was like a real thing like a screening series already yeah. and like immediately people were like how can I help how can I get involved like what can I do? And I was like, <laughs> it was just so clear. So immediately that there was um, such a gap in this, like, and especially like the gathering of it all. Um, but it just felt like really organic to, I mean, I had to chase it. Like it, it happened so fast and which like doesn't always happen. I feel yeah. like in LA or like in this town. Um, so I've just been chasing it ever since. Uh, a few of the girls that screened in that first one ended up, I, I was like, do you want to um, make this a thing with me? And so because it was so successful, we were all just like so excited, you know? And um, so since then, we've, we're about to have our eighth screening. Uh, we're about a year old. We, um, we've like quadrupled in size in like six months. We're, we've outgrown our space. We're like getting the most incredible submissions, meeting the most incredible filmmakers, like really have built a community very fast of um, women and men um, that are incredible. And so the screenings always are directed by female or non-binary creators. That's like what we're keeping it as. Um, but we've got like lists of those types of creators for people to come to if they need like a female DP or like, right. you know, all of that stuff, building out, trying to be like a, a trusted source for that stuff. And on top of that, we um, we're making a podcast. We are starting to build out a mentorship program. Um, some really cool reps have gotten involved and been like, we want to help you guys you know, like rep your company, help you sell this podcast, help you build out the mentorship program. And eventually the goal is to be a production company that like really focuses on female driven content. Um, 
and we just like made our LLC. We like our website. We've got all of our decks, our materials together. We're going to have a first birthday party. Um, and it's just been really beautiful, the community. And like, I feel like it's sort of like what I always wanted to do. Like, I think it's just like a correct culmination of all of the things packed into one. Um, and I'm just so, I'm so inspired too. By a year ago, I thought I might be the only woman I know that had it like a finished short film um, to screen. And now I know like a thousand. Yeah. And like that are farther along than me, you know? And like, so as, so the whole idea of Not Your Daddy's Films too is as we grow and learn, because we're like, we're just sort of making what we wish we have coming right. up as directors because it doesn't exist. There's not any sort of route. There's not like an acting class you can take and learn about stuff. Like you just have to do it and hope that somebody tells you about it. Like, so we're just like, okay, as we're doing it, let's help women start. Like that's the problem. If there are still not enough female directors out there, they say, the beginning steps are what are so hard. Like, how do you make your first short film? Right. Like, how do you, you know, like, there are a few other things, like, groups, um, whatever, but you have to already be in the DGA or you have to pay a bunch of money. So having something that's accessible and really geared towards bridging that gap to those those groups um, is what it's all about. Yeah, there's just so many barriers to entry. You know, and so like this is helping to eliminate that or at least make them smaller. And yeah, like just like I know a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, I would love to hire um, like a woman uh, like sound mixer or whatever. I just don't know any. And, and it's like I get it. It would be so great to have a database, which is what you said you guys have and are building out more like to be like, oh, here's a list of them. So it's like. You know what I mean? Like, make it easy so people know that these people exist. Because it's not like it's not like there's zero sound mixers that are women or zero, you know. It's just, you know, you don't know where to look. Exactly. Um, and that has been really exciting with this. And just to see how many how many people take to this, you know, men, women, any any type, any type of person, like so many people are like, how can I help? And, you know, this is needed, um, which has been really cool that it's no longer just women. It's start like we're starting to have more allies. Right. But it's just fun that it's like still for us. Yeah. As you were talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're such a multi hyphenate. And I'm curious about like your experience as being a multi hyphenate in like the entertainment industry or film and television and what your experience has been like as that because yeah. like as a multi-hyphenate myself it's hard it seems like it's hard to for me and maybe this is just a me thing to get people to like take me serious as one thing when you have like four or five things and they're like well you must not be that good at this thing if you have all these other things so I'm curious like about your experience with it yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely relate to that. Um, I feel like I've lived so many lives at this point. Yeah. Like I started as a dancer. I went to school for musical theater. I ended up deciding I didn't want to do the Broadway dancer route um, because it just felt limiting to me. And I think 
I think everything was probably leading to this, but like at that time, I didn't know. I just knew in my gut and a really strong feeling that despite the four years of training I just went through to this like Broadway feeding program that I needed to come out here and experience different types of roles. Like I just thought everything was super limiting. The Broadway community at the time was like very old school as well. And like, I got a lot of weird shit in college of like nobody knowing what race I was, not knowing where to place me. Like, Uh. you know, like I'm a, there wasn't a lot. Um, for me because I wasn't like a classical singer like you know I'm like a hip-hop dancer so I was just like I have a feeling that LA is just gonna have more for me um which I don't know what that means but it's my roommate um (laughs) so which I'm so glad that I came out here even though it's like its own struggle but um when I eventually, and then I was started acting in like film and TV and doing commercials and voiceover and modeling. And, you know, like I really made my living by being able to do all these different things. Right. Um, and then when I started writing and directing, I absolutely got all the time. Well, which ones you like the best? Right. Um, or which one are you? You don't want to confuse people. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like 2017 when I started, I was just like, oh, I'm so sick of this question. Like, don't ask me to pick. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know so many male actors that are producers and writers and stars, you know, like, I was just, it like pissed me the fuck off. And I think fine. And I just always would say, I'm not, I'm not picking. I know you want to ask me that question, but like, I'm not telling you. Yeah. I don't, I think, I think equal, I think it's all equally important. And I, I also think it's like you're shortchanging actors. Like, I know so many really fucking smart, creative um, actors, and we're all creatives in different ways. Musicians, like, you know, it's very rare that people are just one facet of it. Um, And so I just always thought that was so silly. It's like creative people are creative in a billion ways. Like, we know what's good. Like, as long as we learn the crafts, who's to say that, you know, whatever. And so I just always like really resented that question. And I think now people are starting to understand a little bit more, but it's still hard. They say they want multi-hyphenates, but it's still like, but which one are you? Or like reps are like, okay, but I'm only revving you for this thing. And it's like, no. Yeah. Or it's like, you must not be that good at this thing if you also have to do this thing. And it's like, no, I also want to do this other thing, you know? And like, if you got something to say, like, say it, you know? You should just be allowed to like, do art. Like, fuck off. And yeah, so that's been interesting. I also like, with the taking you seriously stuff, like I've... I've looked like a child for so long. I feel like I finally look like a grown woman adult on screen, but like, because I am so petite and like, whatever, with all of that stuff too, being a multi-hyphenate, nobody took me seriously at all. Like they just didn't even believe I was a smart person. Right. I feel like women are overcompensating so much still. Like I, I actually talked to a lot. I've like shadowed a bunch of female directors and stuff now and, they're all like we come in so prepared and we end up like people are like oh whoa you're prepared you know and it's like (laughs) we're just so used to like having to prove that we're smart um 
that we're way overworking, but we get stuff done so fucking fast and seamlessly, you know? So like, that's another funny thing too. Um, but it's still, you know, just having to prove so much. And I'm like, fine, I'm willing to do the work, you know? And I, so are my friends. Like, I feel like the people that I meet now, these like amazing women like you were that are like, right. Me too. Yeah. You know, like totally. 1000%. Um, is there something that like you're working on now, either like as a person or I guess a project too, but I really just mean like how I'm like, I really want to work on like tenderness and like cultivating that. Or like, is there something that uh, like about your like personal growth that you're working on right now? Yeah, I definitely am. I think, um, coming out in this dating world, again mm, for the first time in six years yeah I started hanging out with somebody that I I used to date before my relationship and it's really been so fascinating for me because I'm like really just trying to check myself because my six-year relationship ended up being like a little toxic for me um emotionally by the end and I was like damn if I'm gonna pick a partner if I'm gonna blow this up and pick a new partner. What is like my ideal situation? And what are, you know, what are my like hard boundaries now? And just finding that out about myself and being patient with myself and just letting myself feel that uncomfortable, like growth, you know, like, cause I recently just started talking, stopped talking to this guy as well. Cause I was just like, oof, I don't think this is in alignment with who I am now. And I want to make sure I get to pick the perfect relationship for me. I need somebody that's like extremely emotionally intelligent. Like, you know, my non-negotiables shift. Yeah. I've been like trying to be proud of myself when I can check myself now and be like, you know what? This used to like fuck me up. And now I can just, I'm just working on detaching, I think. Totally. Detaching not letting the stuff that used to shake me and break me do that anymore. And I can just say, Ooh, it's cool. You know, I I don't need to let that infiltrate me. That's their stuff. And I'm no longer interested in, in helping a man grow up right now. Oh my God. Yes. I like, I feel, I relate to that so much too. Cause it's like, Hey, dude, I want a partner, not not like a kid. Like, I don't want to mommy you. I don't want to be your mommy and like yeah. help you grow up. Like you got to do. I already did. Like I'm working on that for me. I can't also do that work for you. I know. Exactly. I like put so much time into doing that for this other person. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I think that's another beautiful thing about being in your 30s and starting over. Like I'm turning 34 in September. And which like on one hand is like, ah, and then I'm like, no. I'm so thankful for the knowledge that I've gained through time. And I actually feel lucky, even though it was really scary to leave my relationship and really intense and emotional and still is. Um, I feel really lucky that I get to like reset my boundaries and, you know, how I feel about myself and what I deserve and wanting to put that all of it. I've got so much amazing something to give someone, but if I gave that to myself, first and foremost like where could I go how far could I go totally yeah one last question before we wrap up um if someone is experiencing a low point 
or a challenge or a low season in their life right now, um, what piece of advice would you give to them? I would say two things. Get into therapy immediately. And even if, and this is what my mom always says too, she's like, it doesn't have to be the right therapist for you. People get so caught up with like, is this the right therapist for me? Just go to somebody and just talk. Even if you're just talking to your fucking self, like just start it and don't stop. Even when you think you don't need it anymore. Um, Also get on medication. If that, in addition to the therapy, if that's something that might help you. Like I got on Lexapro, and Wellbutrin, I take both. Um, And I would say, especially the Lexapro, like really, I was so desperate a year ago to get out of like my sunken feeling, you know? And I was like, oof, I'm not myself, you know? So I got on Lexapro and it really helped me just like jumpstart out of my, you know, powerlessness. And that helped me just ramp up and be able to be like, okay, action, you know, like instead of just sitting in it Um, and it helped me reassess my relationship, which needed to be done. And on top of that, those things, which, you know, I, those are step one, I would say another really good thing to do is like get a hobby and like get obsessed with it, Mm -hmm. you know, something like martial arts or boxing or just something I'm a believer in, in something physical, you know, because I think we keep so much in and we're like, we're all like basket cases. Yep. But like join a volleyball club, you know, like just get in something that's not, it can be isolating. It can be like pottery. It could be just you, but just get obsessed with something and commit to it. Something that you have to do every week. That's so different than what you normally do. Cause you just never know. Like you never know what it's going to reveal to you. You never know who you're going to meet. Like, you never know what's going to change your life. Um, but introducing something like brand new, I think, can really help jumpstart you just into not sameness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Wellbutrin, and then I add Celexa the week before my period, and that is a great combo. So I'm sure you're loving your combo, too. Yeah. I love to discuss our cocktails. I know. Me, too. Because people – that's a whole nother thing that we could get into people's feelings about medication and uh all that bullshit um well thank you so i know me too i love it too um thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time i know you got shit going on you got a company to run um but i love you and thank you thank you so much love you thank you and now we need to do this and you need to tell me your whole life story i know right okay Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I'm Rebecca Lee. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review, a comment, like it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now. And remember new episodes every Thursday. Take good care of yourself.